Hello, and welcome to episode three of the Artists in Residence podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Burgett, a creative producer and artist living in New York City. About three years ago, I was feeling very unbalanced in my life. I realized it was because I suppressed my need to create. Once I started to make art again, I felt like myself. I felt happier, calmer, and more confident. And believe me, I needed that confidence boost. My intention with this podcast is to encourage you to try new things and tap into your creativity or awaken the inner artist that is dormant inside of you. On today's episode, you'll meet Angie Bailey, a registered nurse, a certified integrative nutritional health coach, and a calligraphy artist from Ontario, Canada. Angie believes that if you're looking to practice more self-care, relaxation, and creativity in your life, that calligraphy just might be for you. Without further ado, here's episode three. Well, welcome, Angie. Thank you for being my second artist in residence. Very exciting to have you. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. So excited. And particularly, I'm sure you know this, but we're happy to be recording this on Thank a Nurse Day. Yes. Thank you for your service and taking care of the patients and everything that you do. I just thought it was an opportune time to say thank you and also acknowledge that you are a nurse. So with that, it's a a good opportunity for you to introduce yourself and how you got into calligraphy. Okay, well, uh, I'm Angie Bailey. I am a 52-year-old. And when I was a 12-year-old, I was 10 or 12, I suppose, my sisters bought me a calligraphy kit because I was a very busy kid and they never knew what to buy me. But one birthday, they bought me a calligraphy kit, and I actually opened it up, sat down, read the book, and started practicing. And I was just really good at it right from the start. And everybody around me was so amazed that I could actually sit still for like a half an hour when normally I was buzzing around. So I learned way back in the day, and I practiced for many years. Then life got busy with a career. I got married and children, and I kind of put all my creativity to the side. And instead of practicing just a little bit, I kind of put the lid on it, sadly. Uh, I kind of forgot about it. And one day I actually became very ill. And, you know, many, many years later, uh, with an autoimmune condition, and I started to do things to make myself feel better by eating a proper diet, exercise, meditation, and so on. And I felt that when I finally got back to my creativity, that's when I really started to feel much better. Although all the other things that I was doing did improve my health. But when I started to paint and I got back to my calligraphy, all of those things really made me feel so much better. And sometimes I think that the whole reason why I was not feeling so great was because I closed off this part of myself, which I always thought was a little part of myself. But you know what? It's really me. I'm so glad you found you again. When you were little, was there, did you ever have like, when I grow up, I want to be? Well, yeah, when I was little, I would entertain I was always singing and dancing and I'm the third of three daughters and we would have huge family gatherings because we're an Italian family. Nobody else can see this, but I'm talking with my hands. So you know that I'm Italian because I can't talk unless my hands are moving. So I would be like the entertainer. We would have these big parties of 40 people and they would take me and put me on top of a table and I would sing and dance. And I was always very expressive. I always enjoyed that. 
And I had a teacher when I was very young who saw that I liked to speak. So she quickly plucked me from the crowd and said, okay, you're doing the announcements. She would put on a lot of plays. And of course, I always had a part in the play and I really enjoyed it. And then I also was a lecturer at church. Uh, I really enjoyed public speaking. I was in a few public speaking contests. And in high school, the same, more of the same, high school theater. And then I guess it was mid-high school, I started taking the art courses, more of the fine arts. And I thought, wow, I love this too. And I loved it all. I loved every kind of art form that I was able to take in school. I had a similar experience is that one of my fondest memories as a child is we used to perform Annie in the basement of my parents' house. Uh, you know, I just anything that was a creativity, like writing stories and, you know, sharing them with my grandparents or setting up a news station in the basement. You know, I did all these creative things. And as I got older, they evolved into like fine arts and filmmaking. And so like, it's this little thing inside of you that just wants to like make and create and it's just ingrained in us. How did you go from this very creative child to becoming a nurse? Very creative child, very creative throughout uh, high school. And then it was time to apply for post-secondary education. And I wanted to go to Sheridan College in Ontario, Canada, and they did performing arts, they did fine arts, graphic arts. My parents wanted what was best for me, and they really wanted me to go towards a career that was very stable. So that's why I thought, okay, I'm not exactly sure what kind of art I want to do. So I'll apply for graphic arts because, you know, that's a stable job. But my parents still had something else in mind for my mother, especially really wanted me to become a nurse. And they kind of said in a negative way, I took it. My mom, when I told her I wanted to go into the art, she said, do you really think you're good enough? And that just that little bit of negativity sticks with me to this day. And my dad said, oh, you want to be a starving artist? And so I heard those things and I thought, oh, I guess I'm not very good. It's sad that I wasn't strong enough to say, no, I'm going to do this. And if I'm not good, then I'll stop. But for whatever reason, I ended up going to nursing school. Well, I applied because my mother said, why don't you apply? Your sister didn't get in. So I thought, I'll make her happy. I will apply to nursing school. But I know that I don't have the prerequisite of chemistry. So I won't get in and then I'll go to art school. Lo and behold, I got into nursing school. To this day, I don't know how I got in without chemistry, but I did get in. So I started that life and it was a very different life. There's no medical people in my family. There's a whole encyclopedia of medical terms, right? And I didn't know anything about it and I really didn't want to. But then I started in school. I didn't really enjoy doing the theory part of things. I enjoyed doing all of the hands-on things. I never liked studying. I, my head was never in the books. I was more of a doer, right? Every time we would have a task to do, like learning how to put a catheter in or an IV or whatever, I'd always be the first one to do it because I'd watch the teacher and I can do that. And I'd be the first one to do it. And I always like to get things out of the way. And of course, the teacher would say, excellent do it like Angie. Now, as far as writing the exams and all that go, it's like, don't do it like Angie. <laughs> but anyhow, we needed 70% on everything and, and I passed. But in my third year, like I, I really did not enjoy 
nursing school, except for the fact that I did enjoy caring for people. I liked that and I loved talking to my patients and all of that. When I was in third year, or I guess it was maybe partway through second year, my dad said, so how are you liking this? I said, you know what? I don't really think that this is for me. And he said, you know what? Just finish it and then move on. Go to your, do explore your art education. But then in the last seven weeks of my nursing training, I got to work in the operating room. And for whatever reason, something just clicked and I really enjoyed working in the OR. Part of it was, you know, they call it in the olden days or in England anyway, they would call it an OR theater. So I was in my theater. <laughs> and to this day, they call me the singing nurse, like the patients, the doctors, the other nurses, they, they still call me the singing nurse. So I was in a theater in some ways. And I loved learning all of the things that I did in the OR. And you can imagine the colors of the anatomy that I saw were quite incredible. So I kind of saw it all with an artistic eye, believe it or not. Now, as a mother of two sons, as they were growing up and in terms of what they were interested in as far of a career, how do you encourage them to kind of pursue what interests them? So now, of course, you know, I know my parents wanted what was best for me, but of course I say, hey, like, you know, what do you want to do? And, oh, I want to do this. And it can be something absolutely crazy. And I'll say, yeah, you should try that. If you enjoy it, just keep on going, shoot for the moon. But you know what? You can try it and you might say, you know what? This is not for me and move on to something else. Although the way my dad said, you know, finish this and then move on, I think there is something to be said for that. So when my kids were young and they'd say, you know, we want to do skating lessons. Okay, we'll go to skating lessons. But if you don't like it after two weeks, it doesn't matter. You're going to finish the skating lessons and then you can move on to something else. That's how I feel as well. Right now, they're both in um, their post-secondary education. One is in architecture and the other one's in computer sciences. And they're loving what they're doing. But, you know, that could change. Now, should it change partway through this education Actually, if they decided to switch at this point, I'm not going to say no, because I'm telling you, it's big bucks to finish a degree and then get another degree, right? But yeah, I encourage them as much as I can to be who they are, stay true to themselves as much as possible. Also, like start what you finish. I think that's an important thing, because if you complete it, you have the success of knowing that you tried it. It might have not worked out, but at least you tried it and you learned something for it. I think there's Something to say there. I mean, hopefully it's uh, not an education thrown out the window, but <laughs> everything builds on everything. And I agree. Like, I don't think any education is really thrown out the window. And I think that if I had stopped nursing, if I had stopped right then and there and gone to art school, I have to say a lot for that education, I'll, even though parts of it were like grueling and some of it I did not like at all. But man, the life lessons I learned in nursing school, I'll never get anywhere else. Yeah, it's really important. And I'm sure as a mom, it comes in handy. Absolutely. So going back to calligraphy, I know that it kind of took an illness to kind of get you back to being in that space and practicing and really developing yourself as an artist. When did you decide that this is something that you really wanted to focus on and develop? And I mean, you're a teacher, you started a business. So I'd love to hear more about that. So I guess it was about five years ago when I started getting back to my creativity. And I really have always heard this voice in my head, paint, paint, paint. And, you know, of course, 
not having gone to formal art school and having had a, a teacher way back in kindergarten that would stop me every time I was about to go paint. It, all of a sudden, painting time was over because I, I'm sure I made quite a mess. I really think that I was an abstract artist from the start, but <laughs> she kind of put a kibosh on that. So something in me has always said paint. So I took a couple of painting courses, community courses, but of course, I did okay. But you know, it's something that you have to develop. And I am still developing that to this day. But while I was doing that, I thought, you know what? You were really good at calligraphy. Why don't you start doing that again? And it'll be kind of like a boost of confidence. And, you know, it'll kind of open up, hopefully, the floodgates, and then all of your creativity will come out. And you know what? It it really has done that, in a sense. So this was about five years ago. I started again, and I've really been enjoying it. And then two years ago, when I turned 50, I decided, you know what? I want to make this into a business. I want to show other women that they can do something creative, that creativity is healing in so many ways. So I wanted to share this experience with people. Yeah. And what was the first class that you taught? The very first class that I taught was a folk calligraphy course at a wellness center that I used to work at. And the doctor there said, hey, why don't you teach your calligraphy here? And so I did that. So she had this basement room and, you know, I got it all set up and I taught down there a few classes there. And it was kind of nice to kind of get my sea legs there. It it was, you know, a nice comfy place and there was no expectations. I still had this fear of doing this because I never did teach before and they were successful. And so then I started teaching at Michael's and then at a local bookstore called Chapters Indigo. I don't know, Barnes and Noble is the similar one in the US. So yeah, I've been doing that. That's great. And what do you say to people? I'm going to say this is people like me who say I have horrible handwriting. My handwriting, and I really need to show you a sample. It is horrible. My handwriting is chicken scratch. So my mother's penmanship is beautiful. And she immigrated from Italy. Okay. It is beautiful, sharp art. My eldest sister, the same, beautiful. The middle daughter, she's a teacher. So, I mean, there you go. Perfect handwriting. Mine is a lot like my dad's. And I don't even think mine is as uh, neat as my dad's was. The point is, you don't have to have good handwriting. You don't have to have nice penmanship in order to do calligraphy. And my sisters cannot do calligraphy and their handwriting is beautiful. And my handwriting is horrible. We have this conversation all the time. Angie, how can you do this? (laughs) When the way you write and we can't do it. And, you know, I think a part of it is through the classes that I have taught, the people with penmanship that is not so great, they are amazed at what they can do. And then they're like, wow, I can actually do this because it's a bunch of separate strokes put together in order to make the letters. Whereas the people with the nicest handwriting, I think that maybe they are expecting too much of themselves. And then their calligraphy curve is... uh, (laughs) much greater. They have a harder time because of perfectionism, I guess. Have you like been able to be part of a community of other calligraphy artists or is it mostly just interacting people that want to learn calligraphy? No, I have met a lot of calligraphy artists. So I'm in Hamilton, Ontario, in Toronto, which is about an hour drive away. There's a huge uh, community of calligraphy artists. And I have taken some of their classes as well. There's a little bookstore on Queen Street West in Toronto, the artsy part of town. And this bookstore 
hosts workshops all the time. And I've gone to take some of these gals uh, workshops and they've been fantastic. And you know what? Maybe I'll teach one down there as well. And then there's a couple girls here in town that I know, a lovely girl for anybody who may be local on Lock Street in Hamilton. She owns that stationery shop called Quills and she's an amazing calligrapher. So I get most of my supplies there and she is so inspiring and just such a great lady. So I connect with her mainly. That's one of the things that I enjoy is that, you know, you have your own practice, you get your own benefits out of it. But one thing that I didn't really think about when I kind of got back into my own practice of making art regularly is connecting with other artists meeting other people and connecting with them. It's like the little connectivity that you didn't expect to find. And so it's like a little extra benefit. I wasn't expecting to reconnect or connect with so many new people. I mean, I met you. It's a really delightful surprise. And I'm so glad that me going back to my practice has allowed me to connect with more people in that way. And you know what? I wasn't expecting that either. Like I just thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to put this out there. I didn't realize that I would be connecting with other artists. And wow, like it is a huge benefit. And I'm so happy that I have and that I've connected with you. Yeah. And hopefully through this, other people will connect with you. You know, you'll find other people who are interested. I'm curious to know when it comes to calligraphy projects, do you have a favorite type of project? Oh, oh my gosh, there's so many, right? And it's so funny because then I go onto Instagram and I all the wonderful artists that I follow, I see what they're doing and I think, oh, I want to try that. So I try that. And then, oh, I want to try, you know, male art. So I do that. So the large uh, canvases, writing on those, on wooden signage. Last Christmas, I did Christmas ornaments with family names on them. Like Every time I realize that there's another surface for me to letter on, I do that. So I don't know what my favorite is. I, I'm still exploring. I haven't said this is what I'm doing and that's it. I like to do a lot of it. Yeah, me too. It's fun to explore and try new things. And I also find inspiration from seeing what other people are doing, what other mediums they're working with. So it's a lot of fun. And I'd like to also ask if you think about like building your business and if you could partner with somebody or a brand or an artist and do some type of fun collaboration. Does anything come to mind as like, I would love to make a t-shirt for X or I love to work with Y. I love Andy J pizza. So he's an illustrator in Columbus, Ohio, I believe. So I started listening to his podcast a few years back and I found him so inspirational and I just love his artwork and I would love to make a t-shirt that he would wear. Maybe I should make one and send it to him. I think you should. So those are my questions around your art and calligraphy. Now it's for the fun part of my quick rapid fire get to know you better questions that I just kind of pull out randomly for everybody who I uh, invite to join me on the podcast. What's your favorite book? I love To Kill a Mockingbird. That's a good one. Yeah, I, I read that over and over. What were your thoughts when you heard it was going to be a play? I wasn't too crazy about that idea, though I love plays. Yeah, I, yeah, a lot of mixed reactions from people who are fans of the work. What is the best advice you have ever been given? Well, I think I'm going to go back to my dad's advice. If you do something, you do it with everything you've got. And he would say to me, you know, I don't care if you become a garbage collector as long as you do the best job you can. I don't care if you become a gardener. I don't care. You know, he would say, just do the best job you can. 
don't quit until you, it was kind of like master something and then move on. If you could meet any living person for dinner, who would it be and why? Can we say (laughs) non-living? Sure. David Bowie. David Bowie. That's a good one. A very creative fellow. (laughs) He's still living in my books. So thank you so much again, Angie, for joining and being my third artist in residence on this very special Thank and Earth Day. <laughs> thank you so much. Did you pick that day uh, on purpose? No, I just, I literally learned about it five minutes before we got on the line. Before we go, if people out there who are listening are interested in learning more about calligraphy or want to get started, how can they find you? What should they do? Okay, so you can find me almost everywhere at Angie Bailey Art and Soul. My handle on Instagram and Facebook is Angie Bailey Art and Soul, and my website is AngieBaileyArtAndSoul.com. Thank you so much. It's been so great. Thank you again. Thank you, Stacy. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Tune in next week when we'll meet Jennifer List an ex-hairstylist turned corporate copywriter turned creative movement starter with her Creative Commute group. Until then, I hope you follow your heart and be true to your art. Mm